Section 9 of Volsunga Saga. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Volsunga Saga by Anonymous. Translated by Edgar Magnusson and William Morris. Section 9, Chapter 30. Thereafter, Brynhild went out and sat under her bower wall, and had many words of wailing to say. And still she cried that all things were loathsome to her, both land and lordship alike, so she might not have Sigurd. But therewith came Gunnar to her, yet again, and Brynhild spake. Thou shalt lose both realm and wealth, and thy life, and me, for I shall fare home to my kin, and abide there in sorrow, unless thou slayest Sigurd and his son. Never nourish thou a wolf-cub. Gunnar grew sick at heart thereat, and might nowise see what fearful thing lay beneath it all. He was bound to Sigurd by oath, and this way and that way swung the heart within him, but at the last he bethought him of the measureless shame if his wife went from him, and he said within himself, Brunhild is better to me than all things else, and the fairest woman of all women and I will lay down my life rather than lose the love of her. And herewith he called to him his brother, and spake, Trouble is heavy on me. And he tells him that he must needs slay Sigurd, for that he has failed him wherein he trusted him. So let us be lords of the gold and the realm withal. Hugni answers, Ill it behooves us to break our oaths with rack and wrong, and withal great aid we have in him. No kings shall be as great as we, if so be the king of the Hunfolk may live. Such another brother-in-law never may we get again. Bethink thee how good it is to have such a brother-in-law and such sons to our sister. But well I see how things stand, for this has Brunhild stirred thee up to, and surely shall her counsel drag us into huge shame and scathe. Gunnar says, Yet shall it be brought about, and, lo, a reed thereto. Let us egg on our brother Gutorm to the deed. He is young, and of little knowledge, and is clean out of all the oaths moreover. Ah, set about in ill wise, says Hugni, and though indeed it may well be compassed, a due reward shall we gain for the burial of such a man as is Sigurd. Gunnar says, Sigurd shall die, or I shall die. And therewith he bids Brynhild arise, and be glad at heart. So she arose, and still, ever she said, that Gunnar should come no more into her bed, till the deed was done. So the brothers fall to talk, and Gunnar says that it is a deed well worthy of death, that taking of Brynhild's maidenhead. So come now. Let us prick on Gutorm to do the deed. Therewith they call him to them, and offer him gold and great dominion, as they well have might to do. Yea, and they took a certain worm, and somewhat of wolf's flesh, and let seethe them together, and gave him to eat of the same, even as the singer sings. Fish of the wild wood, worm smooth crawling, with wolf-meat mingled, they minced for Gutorm. 
Then in the beaker, in the wine his mouth knew, they set it, still doing more deeds of wizards. Wherefore, with the eating of this meat he grew so wild and eager, and with all things about him, and with the heavy words of Grimhild, that he gave his word to do the deed, and mighty honor they promised him in reward thereof. But of these evil wiles naught at all knew Sigurd, for he might not deal with his shape and fate, nor the measure of his life-days. Neither deemed he that he was worthy of such things at their hands. So Guttorm went in to Sigurd the next morning as he lay upon his bed, yet durst he not do aught against him, but shrank back out again. Yea, for even so he fared a second time, for so bright and eager were the eyes of Sigurd that few durst look upon him. But the third time he went in, and there lay Sigurd asleep. Then Guttorm drew his sword and thrust Sigurd through, in such wise that the sword-point smote into the bed beneath him. Then Sigurd awoke with that wound, and Guttorm gat him unto the door, but therewith Sigurd caught up the sword Grom and cast it after him, and it smote him on the back, and struck him asunder in the midst, so that the feet of him fell one way, and the head and hands back into the chamber. Now Gudrun lay asleep on Sigurd's bosom, but she woke up unto woe that may not be told of, all swimming in the blood of him, and in such wise did she bewail her with weeping and words of sorrow that Sigurd rose up on the bolster and spake. Weep not, said he, for thy brothers live for thy delight. But a young son have I, too young to beware of his foes, and an ill turn have these played against their own fortune, for never will they get a mightier brother-in-law to ride abroad with them, nay, nor a better son to their sister than this one, if he may grow to man's estate. Lo, now is that come to pass which was foretold me long ago, but from mine eyes has it been hidden, for none may fight against his fate and prevail. Behold, this has Brynhild brought to pass, even she who loves me before all men. But this may I swear, that never have I wrought ill to Gunnar, but rather have ever held fast to my oath with him, nor was I ever too much a friend to his wife. And now, if I had been forewarned, and had been afoot with my weapons, then should many a man have lost his life, or ever I had fallen, and all those brethren should have been slain, and a harder work would the slaying of me have been than the slaying of the mightiest bull or the mightiest boar of the wild wood. And even therewithal life left the king. But Guthrun moaned and drew a weary breath, and Brynhild heard it and laughed when she heard her moaning. Then said Gunnar, Thou laughest not because thy heart-roots are gladdened, or else why doth thy visage wax so wan? Sure an evil creature thou art, most like thou art nigh to thy death. Lo now, how meet would it be for thee to behold thy brother Otley slain before thine eyes, and that thou shouldst stand over him dead? 
whereas we must needs now stand over our brother-in-law in such a case, our brother-in-law and our brother's bane. She answered, None need mock at the measure of slaughter being unfulfilled. Yet heedeth not oddly your wrath or your threats. Yea, he shall live longer than ye, and be a mightier man. Hergni spake, and said, Now hath come to pass the soothsaying of Brunhild, an ill work, not to be atoned for. And Gudrun said, My kinsmen have slain my husband, but ye, when ye next ride to the war, and are come into the battle, then shall ye look about and see that Sigurd is neither on the right hand nor the left, and ye shall know that he was your good hap and your strength. And if he had lived, and had sons, then should ye have been strengthened by his offspring and his kin. Chapter 31 Arvarthas Gudrun Gerdisk at Deja Erhon sat sorgful Ufer Sigurdi Gudrun of old days drew near to dying as she sat in sorrow over Sigurd. Yet she sighed not, nor smote hand on hand, nor wailed she aught, as other women. Then went earls to her, full of all wisdom, fain help to deal to her dreadful heart. Hushed was Gudrun of wail or greeting, but with a heavy woe was her heart a-breaking. Bright and fair sat the great earl's brides, Gold arrayed before Gudrun. Each told the tale of her great trouble, The bitterest bale she erst abode. Then spake Gjauflaug, Gjuki's sister, Lo, upon earth I live most loveless, Who of five mates must see the ending, Of daughters twain and three sisters, Of brethren eight, and abide behind lonely. Naught get Guthrun of wail and greeting, So heavy was she for her dead husband, So dreadful-hearted for the king laid dead there. Then spake Herborg, queen of Hunland, Crueler tale have I to tell of, Of my seven sons down in the southlands, And the eighth man my mate felled in the death-mead. Father and mother and four brothers on the wide sea the winds in death played with, The billows beat on the bulwark boards. Alone must I sing o'er them, Alone must I array them, Alone must my hands deal with their departing. And all this was in one season's wearing, And none was left for love or solace. Then was I bound a prey of the battle, When that same season wore to its ending. As a tiring may must I bind the shoon of the duke's high dame every day at dawning. From her jealous hate get I heavy mocking, cruel lashes she laid upon me. Never met I better master or mistress worser in all the wide world. Not get Guthrun of wail or greeting, so heavy was she for her dead husband so dreadful-hearted for the king laid dead there. Then spake Gulrond, Gyuki's daughter, O foster-mother, wise as thou mayst be, naught canst thou better the young wife's bale. 
and she bade uncover the dead king's corpse. She swept the sheet away from Sigurd, and turned his cheek towards his wife's knees. Look on thy loved one, lay lips to his lips, e'en as thou wert clinging to thy king alive yet. Once looked Gudrun, one look only, and saw her lord's locks lying all bloody, the great man's eyes glazed and deadly, and his heart's bulwark broken by sword-edge. Back then sank Gudrun, back on the bolster, loosed was her head array, red did her cheeks grow, and the raindrops ran down over her knees. Then wept Gudrun, Giuki's daughter, so that the tears flowed through the pillow, as the geese withal that were in the home-field, the fair fowls the may owned, fell a-screaming. Then spake Gulrund, Giuki's daughter, Surely knew I no love like your love among all men on the mould abiding. Nought wouldst thou joy in, without or within doors, O my sister, save beside Sigurd. Then spake Gudrun, Giuki's daughter, such was my Sigurd among the sons of Giuki, as is the king leek, or the low grass waxing, or a bright stone strung on band, or a pearl of price on a prince's brow. Once was I counted by the king's warriors higher than any of Herion's maize. Now am I as little as the leaf may be, amid wind-swept wood, now when dead he lieth. I miss from my seat, I miss from my bed, my darling of sweet speech. Wrought the sons of Giuki, wrought the sons of Giuki this sore sorrow, yea, for their sister, most sore sorrow. So may your lands lie waste on all sides, as ye have broken your bounden oaths. Ne'er shalt thou, Gunnar, the gold have joy of, the dear-bought rings shall drag thee to death, whereon thou swearest oath unto Sigurd. Ah, in the days bygone, great mirth in the home-field, when my Sigurd set saddle on Grani, and they went their ways for the wooing of Brunhild. An ill day, an ill woman, and most ill hap. Then spake Brynhild, Buthli's daughter, May the woman lack both love and children, who gained greeting for thee, O Guthrun, who gave thee this morning many words. Then spake Gulrund, Giuki's daughter, Hold peace of such words, thou hated of all folk, the bane of brave men hast thou been ever. All waves of ill wash over thy mind. To seven great kings hast thou been a sore sorrow, And the death of good will to wives and women. Then spake Brynhild, Budli's daughter, None but Atli brought bale upon us, My very brother, born of Budli, When we saw in the hall of the Hunnish people The gold a-gleaming on the kingly gukings, I have paid for that fairing, oft and full, and for the sight that then I saw. 
By a pillar she stood, and strained its wood to her. From the eyes of Brunhild, Budli's daughter, flashed out fire, and she snorted forth venom as the sore wounds she gazed on of the dead-slain Sigurd. Chapter 32 And now none might know for what cause Brunhild must bewail with weeping for what she had prayed for with laughter. But she spake, Such a dream had I, Gunnar, as that my bed was a cold, and that thou didst ride into the hands of thy foes. Lo now, ill shall it go with thee and all thy kin, O ye breakers of oaths, for on the day thou slayest him, dimly didst thou remember how thou didst blend thy blood with the blood of Sigurd, and with an ill reward hast thou rewarded him for all that he did well to thee, whereas he gave unto thee to be the mightiest of men. And well was it proven how fast he held to his oath sworn when he came to me, and laid betwixt us the sharp-edged sword that in venom had been made hard. All too soon did ye fall to working wrong against him, and against me. Whenas I abode at home with my father, and had all that I would, and had no will that any one of you should be any of mine, as ye rode into our garth, ye three kings, together. But then Otley led me apart privily, and asked me if I would not have him who rode Grani. Yea, a man nowise like unto you. But in those days I plighted myself to the son of King Sigmund, and no other. And lo now, no better shall ye fare for the death of me. Then uprose Gunnar, and laid his arms around her neck, and besought her to live, and have wealth from him. And all others in likewise letted her from dying. But she thrust them all from her, and said that it was not the part of any to let her in that which was her will. Then Gunnar called to Hergni, and prayed him for counsel, and bade him go to her, and see if he might perchance soften her dreadful heart, saying withal, that now they had need enough on their hands in the slaking of her grief, till time might get over. But Hergni answered, Nay, let no man hinder her from dying, for no gain will she be to us, nor has she been gainsome since she came hither. Now she bade bring forth much gold, and bade all those come hither who would have wealth. Then she caught up a sword, and thrust it under her armpit, and sank aside upon the pillows, and said, Come, take gold whoso will. But all held their peace. And she said, Take the gold, and be glad thereof. And therewith she spake unto Gunnar, Now, for a little while, will I tell of that which shall come to pass hereafter. For speedily shall ye be at one again with Gudrun, by the reed of Grimhild the wise wife. And the daughter of Gudrun and Sigurd shall be called Svanhild, the fairest of all women born. Gudrun shall be given to Atli, yet not with her good will. Thou shalt be fain to get Odrun, but that shall Atli forbid thee. But privily shall ye meet, 
and much shall she love thee. Otley shall bewray thee, and cast thee into a worm-close, and thereafter shall Otley and his sons be slain, and Gudrun shall be their slayer. And afterwards shall the great waves bear her to the burg of King Yonaker, of whom she shall bear sons of great fame. Svanhild shall be sent from the land and given to King Jermanrek, and her shall bite the reed of Bicky. And therewithal is the kin of you clean gone, and more sorrow therewith for Gudrun. And now I pray thee, Gunnar, one last boon. Let make a great bale on the plain meads for all of us, for me and for Sigurd, and for those who were slain with him. And let that be covered over with cloth dyed red by the folk of the Gauls. And burn me thereon. On one side of the king of the Huns, and on the other those men of mine, two at the head, and two at the feet, and two hawks withal, and even so is all shared equally. And lay there betwixt us a drawn sword, as in the other days when we twain stepped into one bed together, and then may we have the name of man and wife. Nor shall the door swing to at the heel of him, as I go behind him. Nor shall that be a niggard company, if there follow him those five bondwomen and eight bondmen whom my father gave me, and those burned there withal who were slain with Sigurd. Now, more yet would I say, but for my wounds, but my life-breath flits, the wounds open, yet have I said sooth. Now is the dead corpse of Sigurd arrayed in old and wise. And a mighty bale is raised, and when it was somewhat kindled, there was laid thereon the dead corpse of Sigurd Fafnir's bane, and his son of three winters, whom Brynhild had let slay, and Guttorm withal. And when the bale was all ablaze, thereunto was Brynhild borne out, when she had spoken with her bower-maidens, and bid them take the gold that she would give. And then died Brynhild, and was burned, there by the side of Sigurd, and thus their life-days ended. End of section 9